Hello, and welcome to Taiwan Plus on ICRT. It's an interview series brought to you by Taiwan's only all-English video streaming platform and all-English radio station. I'm Trevor Tordemasi, and joining me in the studio today is Isabella Tan, Chen Yingxiu. Hello. Ding. Isabella is a filmmaker raised in Taiwan and Malaysia, also spending some years in the U.S. Her film work has garnered awards at international film festivals. Hopefully, lots more to come. No pressure. What are you working on now? I'm working on a documentary that's taking me kind of、um, throughout Asia and London. It's feature length. It's about an Asian. Very prolific Asian designer. What other projects do you have coming up? I, I hear that you have one in Taiwan next year. I do. Yeah, I'm working on a project、um, in Taipei next year, early next year. It's a story that I read in one of the books、um, that I picked up in the library in Taiwan called Taiwan Tales, which is a collection of、uh, short stories written by people from Taiwan and people who have lived in Taiwan for a long time. So, and one of the stories kind of talks about the famous underground market. That's in the I think Zhongxiao Donghua Station.、Uh-huh. Um, I was about to ask which famous underground market. I know there's, there's、so、two, right?、Yeah. Um, the one that I grew up going to, my grandmother used to take me there, was the Zhongxiao Donghua. It's kind of a social commentary on how it's changed、um, in the last twenty years. What makes Taiwan the perfect place for this project? For one, I'm quite biased because I was born here and I grew up here. So that alone, there's a lot of.、Um, Memories and heartwarming things that kind of speak to me on a personal level. Secondly,、um, I think Taiwan and especially Taipei is like one of the most beautiful cities in the world, and I would love to capture that, you know, on the medium that I've chosen to to be an artist on. So you did spend many of your formative years in Malaysia. How do you think that comes out in the work that you make?、Um, Malaysia was special in the way that it was such a melting pot of culture. Taiwan is very distinctive in like. Uh, it's food, it's people, it's languages, and Malaysia kind of is the same way, except、uh, because we have such a big mixture of people. We have Malays, we have Chinese, we have Indians,、um, we have the Westerners、uh, <laughs> that came in. It's sorry. Yeah, you should、mm-hmm. be.、Um, but it's a massive melting pot of culture, and I think that really helped growing up. I kind of grew up exposed to a lot of different languages, and it kind of made me, I think, a more、uh, At least for myself, a more like open-minded person、um, when I was traveling around. Well,、uh, getting to you being in New York City and some of the stuff you worked on there. I mean, there have been some extremely troubling cases of、um, racially motivated violence against Asian Americans in New York City. Yep.、Um, has this affected some of the stories you want to tell? I think yes. There's now a big push for Asian representation in film, and I think. Right now, though, there is a push for、um, Asian faces to be on screen, which I think is an incredible opportunity for us to knock some of those doors down. And it's it's been great in the sense that、um, with all this demand coming out, there's there's this big there's this playing field that wasn't there before for a lot of Asian artists to kind of get out there and like. Put their best foot forward and show off our work and show what we can do. I think when I first went to America, I was one of those people that really wanted to fit in with the crowd, and it took me a couple of years to, to kind of be more comfortable and proud of my identity and heritage. And after that,、um, my last few years in college, I made it a specific point to make sure that I myself, as a director、um, and a cinematographer, would purposely push for. More people of color, especially Asian faces, to be on screen and behind the camera too. Actually, it's really important for、uh, the people behind the camera to be also people of color、mm. because that's the most 
that's the best way you can get people of color on screen. Let's get them behind the screen as well. Because I feel like um, the more opportunities are given to not just white people, I feel like they will start to tell their own stories. It would be more diverse than what is commercialized mm. or has been commercialized in America. Having having more people of color and executive producer seats or directorial seats or, you know, in, in seats where they kind of make decisions, um, if they decide to tell stories that uh, are from them, then obviously they would pick people that look like them to represent those. And I feel like that creates a lot more opportunities. Are there any crazy industry stories from working in a place like Hollywood or New York? There was a film I worked on in New York City um, where it was a film that was meant to put women in positions of power in this like spy thriller thing that was funded by um, an organization and they wanted an all-female crew, an all-female cast and um, I was signed on to be the cinematographer for that project um, and then we got on set and obviously you know the director was male and the producer was male Everyone else was female. Oh, I was about to say, so far, so good. And then, yeah, okay. yeah, I know. And and it, it it became clear that it was one of those we're doing it for the right reasons kind of thing. But we're not going to give up our positions of power to to women. So right, lip service. Yeah, exactly. A yeah. lot of lip service. And then the producer did some gross stuff. Okay. Um, and then everyone walked off set. I mean, it's definitely kind of a weird situation when it comes to legality and all that kind of stuff but i feel like with the me too movement that's happening now in america people are kind of uh, a lot of victims are more brave to come forward and i think that's a really good thing i think being a female cinematographer anywhere is kind of a commodity is kind of like wow really you do that kind of work um because there's so little women yeah there's there's a little bit of i think it's becoming more common now um but it definitely was difficult when i started there was definitely a lot of um Oh, really? You're shooting today? Oh, okay. You know, and that kind of thing. And a lot of proving myself through my work. But yeah, we're doing better than we did 10 years ago. So right. awesome. I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, I just need to flood the market with, with more creators who are like able or to women, show. women and yeah. especially Asian women, for sure. Like, it's mm -hmm. important that everyone gets represented. I think in Asian culture, especially, we're taught to be more reserved. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's important to give uh, women, especially Asian women, that outlet as a filmmaker to be able to tell their stories. Yeah. Um, I think that that's what makes um, a lot of people surprised when they see Asian women on set, especially as a director and as a, as a DP. Um, and how has your filmmaking process uh, been affected by the pandemic? I have to ask the question. You know, it, it, for many reasons, though, it was really good for a lot of artists because I feel like, especially in such a hustle culture as New York um, and in cities, cities have this like big hustle mentality. The pandemic kind of forced us to all slow down. Mm -hmm. And even though work really suffered, I think, for a lot of people, it personally made me and a lot of people that I know um, reflect personally. And we finally had time for something that we usually wouldn't have time for because on set, we're working 12, 14, 16 hours a day, um, nonstop morning till night. And, you know, everything's just about the work that we're putting out there. So being able to have... Um, that time to kind of sit and reflect and, you know, all that kind of stuff was really, really good um, for a lot of people. And a lot of a lot of uh, collaborators I know actually are leaving the commercial industry and going back into like uh, indie work or narrative work specifically because, yeah, they just had time to kind of sit with themselves and think for a second. And mm. Simple question. What is the most uh, difficult aspect of making films for you? Right after we talked about the pandemic, so you can't use that one. I know, I know. Um, making films... 
I think the most difficult aspect is to make sure everyone's happy. That's a really good aspect. Wow. <laughs> I mean, in in the film industry, it's really hard to do that. It's probably impossible to really do that.、Um, near impossible. The、I、mini, the mini sandwiches don't have enough ham in them. Like, <laughs> Something like that. There's not there's not enough red M and M's on the table. But、oh、um, it really is more about the fact that、uh, it is a draining job. It is a laborious job.、Um, they have unions in America for that for a reason because the work. Naive、hours. question. Do they not hear? No. Oh. <laughs> Look at the camera. Sorry, yeah.、Uh, I think there is one, but from what I what I know from my producer friends in Taipei, it's pretty non-functioning. So I think keeping everyone happy is hard.、Um, making sure everyone is paid really, really well also very difficult. Also very difficult. There are so there are so many aspects of filmmaking.、Money. So of course you have the commercial jobs that are high-paying jobs, but maybe a little bit boring. On the boring side, and then you have the really creative jobs like music, music videos, and short films, and of course, those never have that much money. So it's kind of pendulum swings both ways.、Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah.、Um, does spending so much of your life in sort of big cities, in and around big cities, compel you or drive you away from telling more big city stories? It does both. I I definitely admit that I am. Always kind of casting an eye on outside of big city stories, and the Taipei is such a great place for that because you know you get on the train and two hours later you're like in this beautiful mountain village somewhere. And yeah, it、I、feels always... like you're leaving Taipei and entering Taiwan for sure. What has been your biggest inspiration?、Uh, I took a Chinese cinema class. Oh, nice! And it was actually a really wonderful class. We watched so many movies. Um, a lot of classic movies and a lot of modern movies from like Wang Kaiwai and Li An and、um, Flying.、Yimou. Yes,、okay. Tangyimo. That's actually the only other one I can remember right now. So, <laughs> yeah. So I watched all those films, and I was so inspired by the way they kind of told these stories that were so common. Isn't the right word, but there were there were such relatable everyday life stories. At least about falling in love、right. and loss, and dealing with loss, and dealing with identity, and dealing with、um, immigrating to different countries, and、um, sexuality, and all that kind of stuff. Because before that, I I was honestly inspired by like Lord, Lord of the Rings and those really 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 big films, and I was、mm-hmm. like, yes, I want to make those. And、But、you realize there's a lot to say with just about everyday life. I know, and it was it was so nice. And lower, of, like, lower production cost. <laughs> hey, you'd be,、yeah. pro- you'd be a good producer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's、uh, cut the budget down by a little bit. I mean, I still want to make Lord of the Rings. Don't get me wrong.、Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it. Made me realize that it's not all about the theatrics and all, not all about you know the big special effects and not about this or that. A lot of it's about、um, just like stories about everyday life, and those stories are so important. And I think a lot of people, you know, always look for the big exciting action movies. And I've come to really love those films through Taiwanese cinema.、Um, I mean, even this film that came out last year called like I think it's. Little Big Woman. It was such a beautiful and very relatable story, and I think it was just wonderfully told. And it was such a simple tale. And even the one coming out this year, American Girl, which is about this Taiwanese,、uh, this young Taiwanese child that like went to America and then came back to Taiwan and kind of had to reckon with kind of feeling like an outsider in her own country.、Right. Yeah, reverse culture shock is definitely a thing. It's something. What project are you the most proud of? Every project I'm proud of. Okay, nice. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's one of those questions where it's tough.、Um, Sometimes people are like,、hard. "This one we spent the most money on."、So、I mean,、like. I can say this: there is one project that I loved, 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 
mostly because it was such a passion project, and I mean that in every sense of the word, budget-wise, mm-hmm. labor-wise. It was like a family unit. Two thirds of everyone that was on set was from different parts of Asia, mm-hmm. and、uh, we all gathered in the deserts of Nevada. We all gathered. Okay, it wasn't Burning Man. No, <laughs> it wasn't Burning Man. Burning、okay. Man was not a film project that I made,、okay. unfortunately.、Um, no, but we we gathered in Death Valley and we shot this music video for almost no money. But it was the most well-run set, even though there were like five of us, six of us present. But it was it, that was one of my favorite projects because it kind of it, it reignited that spark in me. I was doing commercials for a while before doing that music video, and it kind of reminded me what it was like to make art with your family, your chosen family, and it、nice. was really fun. Your、yeah. tribe. My tribe. My tribe. All right.、Uh, Burning Man. Burning <laughs> Man. Right, right. You go in calling it a family. You come out of Burning Man calling it a tribe. And where can people find your work? I'll help you out. You gave me a website. I、Isabella、know.、Tan. I know. It's such a gross website, though. I don't want anyone to go on that website. Okay. I'm in the middle of remaking so it. So here's、but. a game.、Uh, everyone, there exists a website full of her work. Um, that she doesn't want you to see. So, some of them are really like intense drama pieces. If you're、right. talking about kid friendly, then、um, yeah, I shot for Sesame Street, and oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, that's super wholesome. Can you、yeah. talk about that? Yeah, sure. Okay, go for it. We'll finish the interview later. <laughs> talk about shooting for Sesame Street. Um, yeah, this was uh, this was a couple years ago, but I had a friend who called me out for a job. She couldn't tell me what it was. It was a small program for Sesame Street, and it was about kids learning the alphabet. And this one was this specific one that I shot was I, the letter I. For my name,、mm-hmm. um, no, it was eyes for instrument. So all these kids showed up with all these little drums, and they would kind of talk to the cameras and tell them what this instrument was. And I learned a lot on that set that day. Okay, and it was on Sesame Street, and that was really cool. And you learned a lot about polyrhythms from、uh, from the count. <laughs> One, two. I'm I'm still thinking about the count teaching polyrhythms. That's like my my new favorite Sesame Street program. So、um, you can find my work online on Vimeo.、Um, I haven't put it on YouTube yet. You know what? Hit me up on Instagram, and I'll send it to you. And that has been it for this episode of Taiwan Plus on ICRT.、Uh, thank you for joining me in the studio, Isabella Tan. Thank you for having me. And until next time, I'm Trevor Tortomasi on ICRT FM 100.